Good evening. It is wonderful to have us all here tonight as we continue studying God's Word together. Always a privilege, always an honor to gather together in the name of the Lord. And thank you so much for being here tonight as we continue studying God's Word. And today we are in chapter 23 and 24. Two chapters. We're going to try to get them before we leave tonight. So through these two chapters, we are going to see or we are going to talk about David's humility. We're going to talk about David's humility, uh, what we see in the Scripture and what is unfolding. We've seen David to be you know, a man after God's heart. Um, he does the will of God. At some point, he was swayed by his own emotions. He um, welcomed his own counsel, and it didn't turn out so well. But also we see a turnaround that he's turning to really seek the Lord in the things that he does. So if you have a copy of God's Word, we'll read together from verses 23, um, chapter 23, sorry, from verses 1. Then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floor. Let us just pray before we continue. God, we thank you for your word tonight. As we read through, we pray that you who grants wisdom for all of us who need it, that you're ready to do that for us tonight as we read your word. And I pray that whatever encouragement we need, and all of us need it, I pray that you're going to give it to us. And I pray that you will nourish our spirits tonight as we receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Then David told, they told David that, hey, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla. Is Kayla someone's name? <laughs> Hi, Kaylas. All the Kaylas. We don't have Kayla here tonight. And they are robbing the threshing floor. We have talked about this threshing floor. Most of the time we've, we've seen God finding people there, people like Gideon, you know, working at the threshing floor, uh, basically at a place where there is, um, it is elevated and they used to separate, especially the wheat, from the chaff. When you um, 
pour it down to another bucket, the wind blows the chaff, and that is where we get, you know, a lot of biblical illustration about the wheat and the chaff, and God will separate it. So this is a place that most of the time you'll find people when they have already harvested. And what is happening here is this Philistine, they are very sneaky people. They are, in their own wisdom, they are clever because they know if you get people preparing food, you rob them of their food, you rob them of their security around them because food is a big security, then these people will run short of food and because we have it, they will come and they will begin to be our slaves. We'll take advantage of this and, you know, drive into their land and take them for us, really. So that is exactly what they used to do. They knew this was the time to go and rob them. And so they are here in this threshing floor. And they told David, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go attack the Philistine and save Kayla. Amazing. So we've seen even just the few last verses of the previous chapter. Uh, let me read from verses 21. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your family. He's regretting of that decision that he made that caused the death of many, many, many people, many souls. And I want to believe that really David cried unto the Lord. And you know when you hear um, the biblical text talking about, you know, trusting God, David trusted in the Lord, David cried unto the Lord. It is not an idea. It is the actual thing that happened, that David actually cried unto the Lord, and the Lord saved him. And here we see there's a change, a great change of heart. Anyone who is not humble will continue in their arrogance and pride to try to fix things their own way. Like I'm a mighty, mighty warrior. I already have a few hundred people here. What can I do with these people? And at least I can go and attack and do some harm. Why? I killed Goliath. This was, you know, the breaking news of the season. And here, what is told to David, 
Which means these people that he had, you remember the 400 people? These people, I think, at various times, they'll just, you know, walk around and watch. Maybe some of them would go into the nearby cities and hear what people are saying. Hearing if Saul is still on the move, because if Saul is looking for you, or a king has issued a decree, it will be known to the rest of the countrymen. And perhaps it was said, whoever finds David, there's a million dollars for you. <laughs> that this privilege that you'll have if you bring David alive to me. So everyone is on the lookout, and you are David's man, and you hear what people are saying against your boss. Because he became captain over this man. But here the tone has changed. Therefore David inquired of the Lord. So he hears that there is a fight. He still has the sword that belonged to Goliath. He can go and fight. But he knew for sure. If it is these people, perhaps he remembered that previously we won the battle. God gave us victory over the Philistines because I inquired of the Lord. What did that say? I am coming to you in the name of God, the God of Israel. And in this season where he's in the cave with all these men, 100, 400 people, he's probably asked a lot of questions. He's probably sought a lot of wisdom from God. And this does not just come from a man who is full of himself. This comes from a man who has surrendered his will to the Lord. That is why the Bible says here, and David inquired of the Lord. He said, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistine and save Kayla. In other words, when these people attack Kayla, no one is safe, including the people you brought with you. So, go down there, and I will give you victory. See what is happening in verses 3. But David's men say to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. This was um, Saul's backyard. We are afraid. We don't know. We can't make a move. We are in the hiding. If we go out, the king immediately will know that we are here. It is not the right time to go out. We are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kayla against the armies of the Philistine? They're pouring out fear. People always feel very free to give their opinion, right? <laughs> We're very free to give our opinion to what we think about an issue, what we think about this context, what we think, our opinion. You know, people will be like, hey, let me tell you what I think. Let me, let me say something from my heart. Let me, 
People will say things. People will say things. But avoid being presumptuous. Don't think that everything that people say is of the Lord, even if they're quoting that the Lord said. Avoid being presumptuous. Because I see that sin destroying many people's life. Being presumptuous. I assume that because they said the Lord, then we have the license to do it. David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kayla, for I will deliver the Philistine into your hand. You see, David hears a report that these people have come, they want to finish this place, Kayla. And he didn't say, well, maybe let's just keep our cool. Oh, let us run for our lives. Let us go somewhere else where they will not find us. What are we? These are Philistines. They're mighty men of war and they're troops and thousands of them perhaps. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And David said, hey, wait a moment. Let me inquire of the Lord. Before everyone else gets fearful, let me inquire of the Lord. I wonder how many of us, when we hear such kind of reports, will say, let me inquire of the Lord. Let me see what the Lord is going to do. What he's going to say about this situation. This is what you say. We are all afraid. If we go out of this place, we're all going to die. Saul is after us. He will know. We are hunted with so many people. If the Philistines will not destroy us, Saul is on the lookout. And then David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord said what? Go. And this was not just a suggestion. It's like, hey, David, I suggest that you think about it deeply and see if you're able to go against them. This wasn't a suggestion. It is a command from the Lord. If he says go, don't wait. Go. Why? Because he says, I will deliver them into your hand. In other words, if the people you have are not able to fight, of which I know they are not able to fight them, know this one thing for sure, that I will fight them myself. I am able to do that, I can do that, but I want to use you to go and bring them down. Then David and David and his men went to Keilah, fought with the Philistines, stuck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. He saved the people. 
and not just saving them, you know, so that they don't die. They took their livestock. <laughs> so they gained. They took the spoils out of this war. They gained. What if they decided not to? Not to go down there and fight. And remember when the Bible said that, um, you know, they were stuck with a mighty blow. This was not merely their strength. This was God empowering these people to fight them. Because they are not able. They are only 400 men. These Philistines are trained, but they took everything that belonged to them. Always take time to inquire of the Lord before you engage in any battle. Take time to inquire of the Lord. You inquired once, the Lord said, move. And someone else comes back and tells you, oh, maybe it's not the time. Go back again to God. Tell God, hey, you want me to go that route? If he says yes, you go. Don't hesitate. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David. This was the one person that remained after Saul and Doeg killed the priest and the people. Fled to David at Calah. That he went down with an ephod in his hands. This was technically the, um, the, the, the robe that the priest used to put on. And apparently this robe had two little pockets. These two pockets, they used to stack two stones on them. And the reason for that is if you've studied the Bible, you'll hear back then the priest used to inquire of the Lord through these two little stones. They call them the Urim and the Thummim. They would, whatever, like the dice, throw them down or whatever they would do so that they will know the direction or the will of God for their lives for that particular season. And you know the reason why I'm so glad this thing doesn't happen? <laughs> for very many reasons. Because we would find the Urims and the Thummims in our bookstores. How to know the will of God. Pick these two stones. <laughs> Every bookstore, you would find them. That would be a nightmare. That people want to know God's will, they go buy some stones. <laughs> Soapstones or whatever. But at that time, God used it anyways. It, it was not about the stone. It was about God. So any time they would see this effort, they would know there's a way we can inquire of the Lord. Maybe we have these stones in here. Maybe, you know, there's a priest that is paired that we can uh, call to inquire of the Lord. And Saul was told that David had gone to Caleb. So Saul said, 
God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself by entering a town that has gates and bars. You see what is happening? So David here is inquiring of the Lord to do good. But Saul is using God's name for evil. Do you think that it is God who is doing this for Saul? That God now has trapped David so that Saul will kill him. Say, Allah, he's trapped himself in here. He cannot go out, so God has delivered this man into my hands. Wickedness of the highest order. Then, Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Kayla to besiege David and his men. This was not a good thing. So anytime you hear, you know, people are going for war and they use the word besiege, technically it means they will round the city or the town they will take everything that belongs to them, and especially food. If they used to trade, like this town that has bars and gates, they'll probably get some other supplies from the neighboring town, so they do barter trade. They get supplies from this town or this community and all that kind of stuff. When you shut that, it means at long run, these people will be helpless and you will take advantage of that situation to capture the whole town. And Saul is beseeching Kayla for who? For David's sake, for one man's sake. Pride and arrogance still reigning, bitterness, in his heart, he still wants to kill David. He's not relenting. So when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Kayla to destroy the city for my sake. Will the man of Kayla deliver me into his hands? <clears throat> Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? This is now David inquiring of the Lord, and he, and he called the priest, and they're inquiring of the Lord. And do you know what God's answer was? <laughs> he said, Oh Lord, 
God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. <laughs> it was very straightforward. Will he come down? Yeah, he will come down. Then David said, will the man of Caleb deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. I mean, what do you think about that situation? You just stuck the Philistine. You just save this town, the whole of it. And then Saul is planning to come for your life. And David, knowing the heart of this man, Saul, he's inquiring of the Lord again. It's like, will he come? Yes, he will come. Will these people deliver me <laughs> into the hands of Saul? Yes, they will. At the moment, you'll be like evil people, ungrateful servants. <laughs> I just killed people. I did put my life on the line for your sakes, and this is what I get. Ungrateful bunch of people. The Lord did not just stay quiet. The Lord told him the truth. This is what they are going to do. Because they fear Saul. So David and his men, about 600. Now it, this means that he did some evangelism <laughs> He had gained 200 more men because it is 400 who came. But apparently, they went to war and none of them was killed. This is how God preserved all of them. And he has 200 extra. They arose and departed from Cala and went wherever they could go. It's like, okay, let's just go. Do you know where we are going? No. Let's just go. This was tough for David as it was for any other person. Because many times or always we want to know where we are going. You're leading us. Where are we going? What is the direction of this? Where are we leading us to? Like, let's... Let's just go. <laughs> we don't know, but we can go somewhere at least. They went wherever they could go. Then it was told so that David had escaped from Cala. So he halted the expedition. And David stayed in the stronghold in the wilderness. And remained in the mountains, in the wilderness of Ziph. David is trying to do good. David is trying to worship God. David is trying to help people. But the mighty is after his life. 
wants to make sure. I mean, think about Saul. You, you have other kingdom duties for you to do. But you choose to leave everything and to pursue this one man. What an evil man. Maybe, Preston, you can um, show us this uh, map. It will help us see the direction of how David is moving. So the green arrow is Saul trying to pursue him, and the red is David. So last week, he went to a cave in that place called Adullam. And then, things are not getting better there. He's at Kayla right now. He just killed the Philistines, saved the town. Saul heard of it, and now he's encamping against him. He's coming. And now in this wilderness, think about it. He's, they have meandered. They didn't know where to go. They're just taking the route in the wilderness, in the mountains. And they found themselves in Zip, in the wilderness of Zip. That is where they are. And all these things are going to play. Uh, maybe you can just leave the, leave the map there for a moment. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in the forest. So this, this Ziph thing, this Ziph place is a forest. <laughs> in the middle of the bush... Think about it. You have 600 men with you who are trusting that you're hearing from God, that you're going to lead them right. They're going to have food. They're going to have a place to at least sleep for a few hours without someone wanting to kill them. But that is not the case. That is not the case. So is after him. Maybe, you know, they're, they're trying to trace their footsteps. Where did they go to? Or scatter people. You know, you go this direction, go this direction. These people go straight. Perhaps we'll find them. They're probably saying, David and his men don't have enough supply. They will run out of food, they run out of water, and these people will probably complain and go back to their homes, and David will be alone. They have thought of so many things. Thank you, Preston. But the Lord did not allow that to happen. Imagine that. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. This is amazing. You know, 
Saul is struggling to find David. Jonathan didn't have the struggle to find him. <laughs> they didn't have mobile phones, mobile trackers and things. He just knew David. These were buddies. These were good friends. And perhaps because they were in the will of God, the Lord led him. The Lord led his path to go to David because he, he knew that the heart of his father was not right towards David. And this is, this is profound, what the Bible tells us here. Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods, in the forest, and strengthened his hand in God. What a wonderful brother to have that in the middle of all your trouble, you don't have people, maybe even the people that you're leading here are beginning to complain. You, you don't know what they talk about, 600 people. They, they're, they're following you as they somehow believe in you. But at some point, they're, they're like, David, this... This ain't right. We can see that through the previous verse that we just read. They say we, we are in Saul's backyard in Judah. What if we go in Caleb to fight? He's going to come against us. And you know what? What they feared has befallen them. The things they feared the most pursued them. The things you fear, trust me, people of God, these things, they have a tendency of showing up. They have a tendency of showing up. Some people fear marriage. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> because you have seen one of your friends struggling. Because you have seen one of your friends, the fiancé, just left. They say, hey, hey, I'm not doing this with you. They left. Because you've seen a lot of trouble in your own family. Because you've seen so-and-so. And you say, well, I don't want to suffer. <laughs> Listen. Marriage has never had trouble from day one. Marriage will never have trouble until Jesus comes back. It is the people who are married that will have conflict as long as they have breath. Do you not wonder that people will leave this marriage and think that it didn't work here, let me go and try another one. They go to another one they go to another one. If it was bad, why bother? Go make your own island and stay there. <laughs> Leave people alone. <laughs> this is ordained by God. Everything. God said it is good. And he, 
Imagine the breath of God. God saying, it is not good for me, Mchungire, to stay alone. Ah. God is saying it's no good for me to stay alone. You want me to stay alone? Never, never. <laughs> Which means the what he has ordained is good. What God has ordained is good. So if you're afraid for any other reason, find another reason. And I bet you won't find. Because anything that is of God is good. Amen? Especially single people, amen? Encourage yourself in the Lord. I pray that you will have someone who will encourage you. You know, David had a friend. And this friend did what? Went into the middle of the bush. Bypassed his father somehow. Went to David and they hold hands and say, Brother, the Lord is with you. I mean, how many times do you hear people say that to you? The sister God is with you. Keep doing what you do for God. How many people say that to you? I mean, probably you don't have people in the bush right now, but at least you can call them. You can message them and let them know that you're thinking about them, that you love them. Find time to strengthen someone in the Lord. Some will say, well, you know, that is not my gift. <laughs> we are not told that this was this man's gift. No, because they were buddies, because they were good friends, he chose to go against the odds to go and encourage this man. We love our comfort. We love them. And sometimes the Lord sends us or speaks to us to encourage someone. And they're like, if the Lord wants it, the Lord will do it himself. <laughs> the Lord will speak to him. No, you have their phone numbers. Is it just for please call me <laughs> when I don't want to call you with my money? I mean, it's nice, but sometimes it feels rude. Can you call me with your money? <laughs> I don't want to use my money. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. He went into the bush to strengthen his friend David. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. It's not like he's not pursuing you, but in his pursuit, he will not find you. That's a good news to him. He's, he will not find you. You shall be king over Israel. I mean, who doesn't know? Who doesn't know? He was anointed king already. This preparation has taken another direction. David did know that when he was anointed, he was going to stay in the bush for some time. And this pursuit, you know, they say it is between 10 to 13 years. 
So think about it. Man, for, for three months, just give up. <laughs> Over 10 years, you're pursuing one man to kill him. I'm telling you, wickedness in a man's heart. That is why the Bible says a man's heart is wicked beyond explanation. <laughs> Who can know it? It's only the Lord. We can hide things. We can smile over things. While deep down, if we had a gun, you're finished, you're gone. We'll kill you. I'll hug you and stab you. Because <laughs> I hate you. You know, we, we are used to these greetings and we ask people, hey, Mambo, Ukoje Nkopa. No, these Nkopoas, a lot of them are very fishy and they are not poor. Nkopoa. In fact, Mutwa Kijibu Araka be Nkopoa. I'm fine. It's not final. Even sometimes when those who are married, when your wife says, I'm fine. Find out before you're surprised. I'm fine. I'm fine. Then they continue washing dishes. I'm fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Uh, he shall not find you, and you shall be king over Israel. And I shall be next to you. Even my father's soul knows. Now these statements, we can try to maybe look at them. I don't know if, in a way, he thought that after David, because they have a covenant to protect each other's family, maybe after David is done being a king, maybe he will be king. And everyone knows it, including my father. My father knows that you'll be king. That is why he's pursuing your life. And he knows that I'll be next. Maybe, but we know that that is not true because his death, he will die at a very young age, this man. Even my father's soul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went back to his own house. You see here, he didn't say, hey, you're safe, so you can come with me. He just took trouble, came to encourage him and say, hey, you're going to be fine. Be assured that the Lord is with you. And my father is not going to destroy your life because God is with you. And he went back. Then, the Zephites, so these are basically the people from the, the, the desert of Zip, where we just uh, seen in the screens here, this desert, this mountain, So basically, it is not very kind of what these people are doing. Let me read it first. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, 
Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds, in the woods, in the hills of Hakia, Hakila, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Like these people, <laughs> they have found out that David is amongst them, and they're taking word to sow. Originally, you know where these people came from. These people are the descendants of Caleb. You guys remember the spies that were sent? And they came back with a report that the people we are about to go fight, we are like grasshoppers to them. But there were two gentlemen who said, no, 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 no. That might be true physically, but that is not true to what God is able to do. God is able to deliver us from these men. These were descendants of Caleb. Caleb who was a man of faith. And now his descendants have turned to be someone there are people who want to deliver God's servant to a heathen to be destroyed. Think about it. He's hiding with us. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desires of your soul to come down and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. So you come. We'll make sure you have this man with you. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. <laughs> you guys hear these words that Saul is saying? Blessed are you? <laughs> because you're having... Last week, he questioned his people. He said, no one cares about me. You're keeping secrets. You don't want to talk about me. No one cares about me. Being a wimpy man and, man, this is, this is not good. And here he say, blessed are you of the Lord. And I said to you earlier, <laughs> not everyone who will come with this so classical Christian language, not all of them hear from the Lord. They just know the church language and they will use it to confuse church people who are not walking in the Spirit. So you better be so discerning. And I want all of us, especially the ladies in the church, don't see just men hovering around church. It's like, ha. Huh, He's from church anyways. No, you got to see the fruit of a believer for you to continue in any relationship. Amen? I'm warning you for free. <laughs> warning for free. Please. Don't. You hear people come in the name of the Lord. We hear these things all the time. Just a few weeks ago, a friend of ours, the guy just at the end of the day, said, do whatever you want. And this lady 
thought, man, he's been to church dozens of times with this guy. There was light. And then when it comes to the crossroad, this guy said, do whatever you want. Imagine. Do whatever you want. I'm out. As simple as that. I'm out. I'm gone. Blessed. Is, do you think really soul is blessing God here? And why is he using this? You, you greet people. I I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. They change their voice. They, they act not normal. <laughs> you guys know that that is not the definition of humility. You, have you guys spent time with Ken? Ken Graves. For those who have spent time with him, you know. Many people in the pulpit know that part. You know, the bear-like man. <laughs> the tough guy. The very manly man. And he is, for two. But you haven't gone the back door and talked to him. Soft spot. Soft-spoken man, a very guy who will reach up to you. When you think you can't talk to him, he will reach up to you and talk. He's a very gentle man. It is not a fake humility. He's a humble guy. He's a guy who will come here and mop the floor, no problem. When people are lining for food, he will be the last, trust me. He won't go fast ever. If people think humility is like <laughs> changing your voice. No, that is fake. If you see people changing the, their voices on you, it's fake. <laughs> that is a tip for free. It's fake. Anyway, he says, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. No, this is not the blessings of the Lord. This is him being crafty. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told he's very crafty. <laughs> this is what the king is saying. I'm told this David is very crafty. <laughs> who, who is crafty for sure? It is him who is very crafty. See therefore and take knowledge of all the lacking places where he hides. Take back to me and come back to me with certainty and I will go with, with you. And it shall be if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Zip before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan, 
in the plain of the south of Jeshimon. Preston, can you post that map again, if you can? So you see, in Ziv, these people, they have ganged against him, and they have gone and told Saul, who is coming, and not knowing where he is, his son did fought David, though. But now, see, the, David is not going that route. He's, because there's a pursuit, he's come down. And this you can be sure that he probably thought, if I just go and follow this and go to Engedi, where he will go later maybe, he will probably come to me straight. Let me divert. And these diversions were not just David's idea. It was the Lord leading him. The enemy is on pursuit, and God knows where they're going to go, and everyone is trying to gang against. Imagine you are here. Saul and his men are coming this way, and they've talked to these other people to probably come this way. So in both sides... They're going to find you anyways. What are you going to do? Keep running. Then Saul went out on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encycling David and his men to take them. It is coming too close. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe these guys are coming this side and David is going this side. <laughs> you think about it. And the people behind you coming this side. What are you going to do? But a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry! Come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistine. So they called that place the Rock of Escape. This probably, this is my, just what I'm thinking. There was probably no way out for this one. Physically, there was no way out. They haven't camped, and all the inhabitants of this land, they know the roots, they know the bush, they know where to go, they know where people can hide. And they are with Saul's men. And see what the Lord is doing. Now the enemies of Saul are on his backyard. Many people, they are destroying the land. What are you going to do? Pursue this one man or go back? So the Lord made a turnaround for these people. They went back, and David was free. David had freedom. Then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds of En Gedi. Can you show up the map again, please? He came to Maon down here, 
And then when they were all surrounded here, there's, they probably thought other people to go there before they go to this Dead Sea, which there's no road there. But the Lord made them to go back. And then David went to where? And Gedi, right at the corner, right there. In the strongholds. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistine, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. Now this man is not giving up. Just pursued the Philistines and then he chose 3,000 men against 600 men. What are you able to do with such a small number of people? So he came to the sheepfolds by the, by the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs. Okay, this might be funny, but it's not funny because it is what happens with human beings, okay? So they are in the bus. Besides the road, <laughs> there was no Java. There was no Calvary Chapel here besides the road. And the man has to do what? Attend to the calls of nature. Where's the bathroom? There's no bathroom. You use caves. <laughs> it's amazing, right? The Bible does not just hide things. Like when people go to the bathroom, it will tell us. When people will kill themselves, it will tell us. When people will blast their heads off, it will tell us everything, you know. <laughs> Saul is going to attend to the call of nature. A very important business. <laughs> but David and his men were staying in the recesses of this cave. <laughs> they are inside this cave, David and his men. And this is where the king is coming <laughs> to relieve himself. And clearly, because he was the king, they had, you know, long and awesome robes. And naturally, when... So in the public, I don't know if I should talk about it, but in the public, you know, you go to these bathrooms, you want to leave your sweater outside or your jumpers outside, because it will... <laughs> the uh, testimony won't come out nicely with your sweater. <laughs> so people are like, Nishke sweater, na come. <laughs> His 
lay down his robe, set it somewhere, and go about his own business with no problem. Because he knows, you know, he's protected with 3,000 men. So just take your time. Saul, take your time. You know. But David is here with his men. And I wanted to pay attention to what these men are going to say right here. Then the man of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. Wow. We just said it. Anytime you hear people using the name of the Lord, also be careful. Be discerning to know. These people, this is a probability that they are quoting scripture, right? But is the context right? This is probably the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hands. Wow. The, the Lord said it. Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. These people don't know that vengeance is not ours. It is of the Lord. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So Saul set the robe there, went about his business. He sneaked cut the robe, and went back, hiding. Now it happened afterward that David, David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And that is why I say, you know, we, we, we are talking about David's humility. Think about the man that he is. He knows for sure that the scriptures say, you know, touch not my anointed one and do my prophet no harm. David knows that he is not supposed to harm the one that has been anointed of God. Touch them not. It is God who set him leader over Israel. Even just cutting the hem of his garment troubled David deeply. It troubled him. I mean, nowadays people will do some things towards some people and it's no trouble, no chills. It's like I don't care. <laughs> I don't care whether it's a pastor, whether an imam assembly, it's a worship team, whatever, it's a security. Whatever they do, people don't just they don't care. They will do things and their conscience won't say a word to them. Whether they are plotting evil. You know, for a, for a minute, David thought, man, this is a great idea. But then he comes back and like, no. He's God's anointed. He's pursuing my life. But I'm not going to do it. For many of us, it is a tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye. 
tit for tat. Don't we say that? A tit for tat is a what? Right, a fair game. <laughs> that is what we say. Which chapter of your own version of the Bible says that? <laughs> it troubled David. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. See what he's saying is my master. <laughs> Who does that? David. He's my master. The Lord's anointed. To stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. <laughs> Saul does not know what is happening. Saul does not know that the one he's pursuing, he's saving his life in this cave. He's busy pursuing. And these people had the opportunity to do what? To destroy him. Perhaps, as they say, we see their hearts. Say, the Lord has brought this man. Let's just finish this man. And the Lord, David is speaking to this man and they go again, like, David, not again. Not again. We have a chance to finish him. But you can't let us do that. Not again, David. So Saul went his way. David also arose afterwards, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, my Lord the King. And Saul looked behind him. And David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. Wow, what a scene. You're pursuing him. He, you're, you're basically overtaking him because you don't know where he is. And then the man you're pursuing... Shout your name behind you and say, my Lord, my Lord. And he bows down. I mean, where do you find strength to attack such a man? Where do you find the audacity to even plot evil in your heart to such a man? And David said, Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say indeed David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hands in the cave. And someone asked me to kill you. He's telling them, hey, even my own people, the ones I have here, 
they add me to do what? To kill you. <coughs> but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hands against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is no, there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. And I have not sinned against you, yet you hand my life to take it. This is a testimony I have with me that the Lord delivered you into my hand. But I did not plot evil. I did not plan rebellion. I did not plan things that would go against my conscience. I didn't. I had the opportunity, but I did not. In fact, I could have killed you. Your servant could have not known, and I could have escaped. You see that? They didn't know that David was here with his men. They could have just killed him and leave him there, and run away. These people will be like, man, Saul has taken too long, I think. Things are not well. The, 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 the Githeri for yesterday <laughs> did not do him fine, oh. <laughs> uh, these cakes, these cakes, they're not fine. But I didn't plot for evil. I didn't struck the anointed of the Lord. The Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hands shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the Lord be the judge and judge between you and me and see that and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking this word to Saul, that Saul said, is that your voice, my son David? <laughs> Is that your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Let me again say to you this. Do not be deceived by people weeping. Because people can cry for no reason. People can cry to trap you. Do not be deceived. Because we know that Saul will pursue him again. This is not the end. 
So don't be just be. He, he, he wept. Saul is very good for doing what is called the public show. Oh, he's very good. <laughs> he wept. Then David said, No, then he said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. You have shown this day how you have dealt with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hands, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away? Safely, therefore, may the Lord reward you with good, for you have done to me, for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hands. Trust me. The words he's saying are very true, but his heart is very wicked. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul. And Saul went home but David and his men went up to the stronghold. <laughs> you see what is happening with this? This, we might think, you know, this was, they just made up. They just forgave one another. They wept. And it was all good. They went away. Perhaps if it was some of us, you say, well, this man has wept. There's a place for me in the kingdom where I was. Because he's just wept and he said these words, he's actually recognized that I will be king over Israel. So what do I do? Let me go back with him. Be warned. Sometimes wisdom will dictate that you forgive your enemies, but you don't partake of the same cup with them. You get that? In this context, you see. It's a whole, you know, subject about forgiveness and, you know, letting go of things. In, in a marriage context, it's different. You know, you don't say, I forgive you, but I'm not coming back to that house. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> In this context, because David still knew the heart of this man, Saul went back, but David and his men remained in the forest. No matter how your enemies are strong, the Lord will protect you. Okay? 
And saying things in the name of the Lord does not mean that the Lord said them. So you have to be sensitive to know the voice of God and what people are just saying for the sake of saying. Okay? And David's primary reason for not killing Saul was he is God's anointed. God has anointed him. I will not kill him. He had all the opportunities to do so, but he did not do. And we also see in the Bible and throughout the Bible that forgiveness is a command from God. We must do it. Not when we want to, but we must do it regardless. It will give you such a freedom. You know, sometimes you say, well, the person I'm forgiving is not even thankful for the forgiveness. They don't even appreciate the fact that, you know, we are talking about forgiveness. Saul's remorsefulness wasn't real. He just wanted to try to mend things so that he would have a way to get David. David knew this for sure, that this man... He's not relenting. He will still come. And he knew also this from the Lord. That he's not saying he's anointed just for the sake. He knows that God had appointed Saul head over Israel. Forgive me a past time, Kidogo. We're going to pray in a moment. But think about it this way. If we bring it to the context, especially in the, um, in the marriage context, God does not tell the women to submit themselves to the men because he knows how to go about things, because he's a perfect man. You submit yourself to him because God says so. <laughs> he, even for us, it's a surprise that God has given us this responsibility to lead our families, our wives, and to lead the church. It's not because we are better people. It's not because we are the brightest of minds that exist. It's not because, you know, we can articulate things better than other people. It is because simply because God said so. God has said, hey, a man shall lead the house. So you don't twist it all around. In, in Ephesians, say, you know, submitting one to another in the fear of the Lord. And then he say, you, for the wives, submit yourself to the, your own husband's As the church is submitting itself to who? To Jesus Christ. We ain't perfect. Men. I'm talking on behalf of men. We ain't perfect and will never be. We just lead because God says so. And David honored Saul because God said so. You don't lay your hands on God's anointed. That would be a disaster. 
In the later story when, you know, Saul will be dead, the person who killed Saul, you know what happened? He was killed right there because he laid his hand upon the anointed one of God. So friends, find time to be an encouragement to your families, to your people, to your friends. Regardless, you never know what people are going through. Sometimes that one phone call is what they were waiting for. That one text message is what they longed for, for that day. And you're withholding it. Say, well, maybe the Lord will find them somewhere. Take time to encourage people. Whatever it takes, going through the woods, do it for the sake of, you know, the people who God has brought into your life. Be sensitive to know the voice of God. Not everyone who calls him Lord, Lord is of the Lord. You should be very discerning to know. These people who are calling the name of the Lord, do we see fruit in them so that we can say this for sure is of the Lord, this is not of the Lord. Amen? God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word that is everlasting, your word that... It's beyond time, really. And we thank you that in your own way, you speak to us every time. And even tonight, I pray that as we go home in, in fellowship, that we continue to think about your word and your Holy Spirit to also continue expounding this word in broad in our hearts so that we'll grasp the truth of it. The principle that we are learning from this man of old, I pray that it will abide with us, not returning evil for evil, praying for people, encouraging people, and inquiring of you, O oh God. May that be the line of our lives as we await your return. As we go to our homes, we ask for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.